0: Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org.
1: I'm Valerie Halavity with Halavity Legacy Farms in Lubbock, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
0: Hello, Texas. I have got yet another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you. All you've got to do is jump on in and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Texas harvest season is moving forward and practically every crop is right on schedule. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin, I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
2: With the way market trends look right now, ranchers should expect to get some really strong prices for the cattle they sell in the next year or two but perhaps some risk protection would be wise. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today.
3: The importance of farmers marketing their cotton in a very competitive fiber world. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I will have more straight ahead on Texas Ag Today on Cotton Versus Synthetic Fibers.
4: Texas AgriWomen is the largest coalition of farm, ranch, and agribusiness women in the state. I caught up with a member of the group at a recent town hall meeting in Uvalde, and I'll bring you that conversation coming up on Texas Ag Today.
0: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas farmers are right on schedule getting row crops harvested this year. The latest Texas crop progress and condition report shows the sorghum harvest now standing at 75% complete. Corn harvest now 68% done. Rice harvest is 90% complete with 20% of the cotton crop now out of the field. Down in the Rio Grande Valley, harvest is all wrapped up. Sam Simmons grows corn, sorghum, cotton, and sugar cane in the valley. He says yields were down across the board this year.
3: Cotton and grain sorghum were both down. Uh, You know, this irrigated ground, every year you're putting water on it. You're also putting salts on it. So the irrigated crop, the irrigated yield was down quite a bit. Uh, We did have some rains, like I mentioned earlier, that came in late April, uh, early May. We had about a month of of rainfall. Uh, About once every week we'd go shower, and that's the only reason we had the crop we did. Uh, But overall, yields on cotton were down. Yields on grain were down. Corn was pretty much everything uh, was down from what it averages usually.
0: Simmons says sugarcane conditions all depend on how much water farmers were able to secure for irrigation. But he does expect sugarcane yields to be lower. The State Fair of Texas is just around the corner.
5: In just a few days, Big Tex, the 55-foot icon in a 96-gallon hat, will once again greet visitors from across the globe to the State Fair of Texas. The fair includes a variety of family-friendly activities, including livestock shows, a livestock birthing barn, Texas Farm Bureau's interactive Doorways to Agriculture exhibit, a rodeo, live music, the Midway, a car show, and an assortment of unique foods like deep-fried candy pecan bacon bread pudding and a deep-fried Texas oatmeal pie. The state fairs open September 29th through October 22nd at Fair Park in Dallas. You can buy tickets now on BigTex.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel.
0: The U.S. Small Business Administration has awarded $500,000 in grant funding to the Texas Department of Agriculture through the State Trade Expansion Program grant program. TDA will use the funding to expand export-related activities of small businesses in Texas and increase export dollars earned by those companies. The money can be used for things like participating in foreign trade missions, market sales trips, participating in export trade show exhibits, and others. Texas cattle producers will get a great price for their cattle over the next year, but James Hunt tells us some risk protection may still be something to consider.
6: We are sitting at record prices on cattle. What better time to look at protecting your investment and these amazing prices that we have available to us right now. That's Rachel
2: Myers with Myers Crop Insurance in Claude, encouraging ranchers to consider LRP, the Livestock Risk Protection Program, LRP is a USDA product sold through crop insurance agents that gives producers some downside risk protection on cattle prices.
6: Producers are able to put a floor in their cattle, whether that is unborn calves. It can be for the cow-calf producer that's looking to run cattle on wheat all spring. We have multiple contracts available, multiple prices available, and I just think it's a great thing that producers should be looking at very seriously right now.
2: And for producers who are considering that, what should they maybe be asking themselves to make sure they strategize right?
6: They need to look at a couple of things. One, when we're writing those policies, we need to know what type of cattle they have, whether it's steers, heifers, whether we're looking at feeder cattle, you know, calves coming off of cows, some things like that. But they really just need to be looking at two things in my mind. And that is, do they want to use this as their sole marketing program? Um, You know, or they want to use this to absolutely lock in a price and then let the market run as it will. The cool thing is it leaves all their top side potential open. There is no margin call. And that's where we've seen it really becoming so popular is that producers don't have their money tied up in this product. The premium is not billed till the end of the contract for them. And so as we're seeing interest rates really digging in and getting serious and people with a lot of money tied up um, in these livestock, that gives another alternative to having that protection, but without having to bear the cost of it up front.
2: That was Rachel Myers with Myers Crop Insurance and Claude talking about LRP. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
0: It is important for cotton farmers to market their product in a competitive fiber world. Tom Nicoletti
3: has more. My guest today is Mark Masura. He is Senior Vice President for Global Supply Chain Marketing with Cotton Incorporated. Caught up with Mark recently as uh, he spoke about various issues regarding cotton and synthetic fibers. And certainly the competition is there for cotton. As as you look forward, uh, you uh, emphasize that farmers uh, must grow the
7: crop, but they also
3: should market it.
7: Absolutely, Tom. It's so important for growers to understand they can be excellent at growing cotton. In the U.S., we are excellent cotton producers. And in the state of Texas, the farmers are doing everything right to be responsible and sustainable producers. But simply because we grow the cotton, sometimes that's not enough for people to use it. And for manufacturers, the fact that cotton prices are volatile, that that the fibers themselves are natural, they're not uniform, This creates some challenges in manufacturing, so we've got to work to market cotton. Certainly, cotton is a natural fiber, but not
3: necessarily a natural choice among uh, consumers and among uh, companies that uh, uh, manufacture uh, various clothing and other uh, aspects.
7: Yeah, that's right. It's not a natural choice, and we have to work to market cotton in, in key categories like apparel where about 80% of cotton fiber is used. So it's important that we have innovation. It's important that we find other ways to market the positive aspects of cotton to get companies to use it in the apparel and textile products.
3: I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
0: Texas AgriWomen is the largest coalition of farm, ranch, and agribusiness women in the state. Gary Joyner had a recent visit with a member of that organization.
4: I'm in Uvalde at a town hall meeting, and I'm joined by Deborah Parsons. She's with Texas AgriWomen with the Uvalde chapter. And Tell us about your organization, your membership. Uh, what uh, individuals belong to Texas AgriWomen?
1: Well, Texas AgriWomen, it's the Uvalde chapter, but it is not just Uvalde County, which some uh, women think that it is, but it's not. I personally have been in it for seven or eight or nine years now, I forget, but I'm from Zavala County, so it is not just Zavala County, it can be all the surrounding counties. If you do not have a chapter in your area, you can join ours as an at-large member. Um, We have, like I said, we are the um, members of American Agriwomen, which is the largest coalition of farmers, ranchers, and agribusiness women in the entire United States. We um, send local and state delegates to Washington D.C. as 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 well as our national um, staff uh, to advocate for our our, uh, stances on different items. Um, We do so at the state level, we do so at the national level. Uh, One thing that we do align with Farm Bureau as well is we both have very active youth agricultural education programs. Uh, For example, our ag fair is taking place here at this very facility in two weeks. Um, We do give away scholarships that's very important to us we gave away uh, several scholarships earlier this year and had some great great entries it's always hard to judge them they're they're very hard to judge a lot of talented kids coming up we were fortunate that all three of the recipients are going into the ag field and that is getting you know fewer and fewer every day it seems like so we're very happy about those those are probably our two main events each year and then if an event such as this comes along we certainly want to be involved in that
4: be finding more and more Texans are removed from agriculture, from farming and ranching, and we're getting that divide between those that have experience and those that don't?
1: Oh, yes. Um, As the farmers and ranchers um, either get older in age or sell off properties, things like that, uh, along with it goes their agriculture experience, and you cannot replace that.
4: That's Deborah Parsons. She's with the Uvalde chapter of Texas AgriWomen. I'm Gary Joyner in Uvalde with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
5: Quail hunting season opens in a couple of weeks. We have this year's forecast coming up on Texas Ag Today. And
0: horses are often given electrolytes in the summer to increase water consumption. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park Bag Coaches Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org.
2: Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novachek.
8: You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the right-to-farm amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches so
2: they can grow our food right here in texas on november 7th please head to the polls and vote for proposition one the food for texas amendment yeah come on texas let's do it jay's way vote for prop one and then spread the word with your friends and family political ad paid for by right to farm texas pack learn more about proposition one at right to farmtexascom that's right the number two FarmTexas.com. political ad authorized by right to farm texas pack We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas
0: Ag Today. Horses are often given electrolyte supplements to increase water consumption in the summer heat. But Dr. Bob Judd says we don't know if they're
9: really needed. Horses can easily become dehydrated in the Texas summer heat and humidity. Allison Snyder indicated at the Equine Science Society Symposium that fatigue, heat stroke, and other thermal injuries can occur when horses become dehydrated. She indicates in the horse publication that one method horses use to adapt to these conditions is by keeping hydrated and drinking more water. High-dose electrolyte supplementation can increase water consumption, especially when horses are in heavy work. But there's little research about horses in light or moderate work. Snyder and her research team conducted a five-day study in September of 2022 when record high temperatures peaked at 120 degrees Fahrenheit in Tennessee. The researchers used 11 stock-type horses that were acclimated to a normal workload of riding classes and supplemented five with low-dose potassium and sodium chloride, while adding sugar to the other six control horses' feed instead of salt. The researchers took blood samples for glucose in the mornings and measured water consumption. Results indicated as temperatures increased, so did the water intake as was expected. The riders indicated that the horses that did not receive salt did not fatigue any faster during morning and midday rides than those that received salt. All horses consumed more water, and on the hottest day of the study, all horses had increased amounts of sweat and longer cool-down times. These results found that horses in moderate work may not need electrolytes in the feed to stimulate water consumption. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Quail season opens in
0: just a couple of weeks. Jessica Domel has this year's quail hunting forecast in today's wildlife report.
5: Mild temperatures and timely rains this spring has pushed Texas quail populations to their strongest position since 2018. John McLaughlin, Upland Game Bird Program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with this year's quail hunting forecast. We completed
8: our August roadside counts last month, and while the full report won't be out until October, I can tell you right now that pretty much counts are up across the board, across the state. Generally, that's a very good sign that we made some significant gains this year. Despite the heat that settled in there in the summer, we made some gains early on, and and that's a real positive. I would say that the regions where we saw the biggest bump in quail populations were the areas that we had cover coming out of last year. For whites, that's going to be uh, South Texas. They've been growing for the last couple of years and they had a really big increase this year. So we expect that bobwhite hunting in South Texas is going to be good to very good across that region. And then we also saw a bump in our Gulf Coast prairies region. That region has got hot as we've gone through the summer, but our, our roadside counts were up. So there may be some hunting opportunity there. As for scaled quail, the Trans-Pecos continues to be really our stronghold for those birds. We had good cover entering the year and we saw a significant bump in scaled quail populations out in West Texas. We expect in the Transpecos and then even over in the Edwards Plateau that we're going to have some good to very good scaled quail hunting if you're able to get out there.
5: That was John McLaughlin from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. The regular statewide quail hunting season opens October 28th. Love we'll more of this year's forecast on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
0: Red ink across the board on Thursday, livestock, cotton, and grains all finishing lower. We'll check out all of those markets coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park Vag Coaches Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students.
10: If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. The
0: 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention October 8th through the 10th at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. Find more information by visiting tcfa.org.
2: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The
0: volatility continued in the cattle futures market on Thursday. We've seen these big triple-digit swings up and down over the last couple of weeks. Thursday was a down day. A lot of red ink on the board. October live cattle dropped $1.80, dollar eighty, closing at one eighty four ninety seven. December down two o two at one eighty nine fifty. February live cattle down a dollar seventy seven, one ninety four o seven. Same story on the feeder cattle market. The lightly traded September contract was down ninety cents at two fifty three twenty seven. October dropped two eighty. The November contract dropped 287 to close at 262.70. Cash fed kettle market still mostly quiet for the week. No sales to report here in the southern plains. Feedlots asking 185 to 186 this week. We have seen a few sales in the northern plains. Had some Iowa cattle sell at 186. That was about 1,500 head. A few other cattle reported in a range of 184 to 188. And a half, but again, very small numbers, not enough to really set a market for the week. Boxed beef prices mixed on Thursday choice was up 8 cents 30134. Select down 20 at 278.48. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
9: Ken Jordan sells cattle in Mason Monday, San Saba on Thursday, and then they have numerous specials on Saturday throughout the year. Ken, how was the Mason sale?
10: We ended up having 611 head after you and know, I talked about some good range in the area and everything. I thought the overall market was pretty well steady today after last week's uh, increase we had. I thought stalker steers and heifers were both fully steady today. Um, and I thought uh, getting the bigger cattle, I thought feeder steers were fully steady, while probably the feeder heifers were 5 to $8 higher. A group of three heifers, They weighed seven twenty-seven. Brought two twenty-one. A little over sixteen hundred six dollars on those heifers. Hunter cows and bulls. I thought both bulls sold uh, fully steady. And what pairs of bred cows we had, I thought they were overall steady too. I'll let you test. Overall strong market. Good day
9: again, Larry. Good. Let's remind people about the sales on Thursday and Saturday.
10: You be We've got a good sale coming up Thursday. You got about 100 and something head of really good Herford calves. they all be steers. They'll be coming in, weighing around that five to 600 pounds. i got another deal about, I think, 75 head of uh, Angus Cross calves that'll be coming in. Also, getting ready for that big Saturday sale. Over 3,100 head of females consigned for that. A lot of bred cows, bred heifers, open heifers, and pears will be offered. Uh, Larry, all those are listed up on our website already at jordancattle.com. At if you can't make it there, we will have it live on the Internet also. So if you haven't ever arrested before, go ahead and do that ahead of time. Larry, we'll be happy to help you out or just give us a call if we can help you go over any of the consignments and the number you better go three two five three seven two five one five nine we appreciate it thank you very much you bet
5: larry thank you
9: neighbor looks to me like that's it for this edition of walking the pins on the texas farm bureau radio network ken jordan my guest he has sales in mason on monday and in San Saba on Thursday, and then numerous specials throughout the years. Those are all on Saturday. Thanks so much for doing so on Texas Ag Today. Good day.
0: Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean. Hogs took a big drop on Thursday. October hogs down 282 at 82.95. December hogs down 375, 74.47. Class 3 milk was mixed the nearby September. About to go off the board. It was up 10 cents, 1838 100 weight, while the active October was down 4 cents at 1708 100 weight. Cotton market continues to drift lower, a higher U.S. dollar weighing on prices. Also, there's still that lingering thought from the Fed's announcement on Wednesday that the door is still open for a possible interest rate increase next month. All of that limiting any gains that we see in the cotton market. We were lower on Thursday with October down 50 points, 84.87. December cotton down 39 at 86.47, with March cotton down 34, 87.27 cents. That higher dollar we mentioned also weighing on the corn and wheat markets. Poor exports and a higher dollar, both weighing on prices with December corn dropping 7 cents, 4.75 and a quarter. March down six and three quarters at 4.90 a bushel. May corn down seven 4.98 and a half. Double-digit losses in both hard and soft wheat on Thursday. December Kansas City wheat down 18 and a half at 7.10 and a half. December Chicago wheat down 13 at 5.75 and three quarters. In the energy markets, October natural gas was down 10 cents at 2.62. November West Texas crude down 2 cents, 89.64 a barrel. The financial markets lower Thursday afternoon, the Dow dropping 358 points at 34,086, the Nasdaq down 226, 13,242, the S&P down 67 at 4,334. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture.